one of the main inspirations for this podcast was your open source soccer. So it is a delight for us to meet with you finally and put a name to a face and everything else. Um, I guess where we would start, though, is uh, with your little soccer journey. Um, what got you to the point where you thought this little town in Stockade deserves a soccer club and it deserves my input? How do we get there? Yeah, so this this goes back uh, a couple years, um, and I should note that like I, I'm not a I'm not a very skilled player. I'm, I'm actually pretty awful. Um, I didn't grow up playing playing high school. I didn't play in college. I really didn't start playing until um, you know probably about 10, 10 years ago. And when I started playing, my buddies put me on a club team with them. They were all very talented players, and I had no business being there. But uh, I got kind of hooked on the game. And I got hooked on the the humbling experience that was a never played defending against um, you know college strikers, which you know was, it was a huge steep learning curve for me. Anyway, um, so it was you know I kind of fell in love with the game. We call it you know 10, 15 years ago, and um, it wasn't until I went to a, a, a NYCFC versus New York Cosmos Open Cup match. Um, in New York, because I, I, I'd known the Cosmos and, you know, from being in, in New York and kind of knew some of the history and just seeing the Cosmos beat NYCFC in the Open Cup and just understanding the story that, like, this was a club that had been around and a yeah, huge dominant club in the, the 70s and, and, and uh, NASL and then go, going away, um, you know, being defunct for a number of years, the brand being brought alive, the team being put back together and then, you know, playing and, and having a victory against an MLS side in the Open Cup. It was just so so inspiring. Everything about that, and um, yeah, I remember my, being with my buddies. Like, we, we gotta make a club. We just we have to do this. I don't know where we're gonna do it, but we're gonna do this. And then you know, pieces started to come together. And you know, my wife and I have a house um, up in up in Kingston, so we split our time between New York City and, and Hudson Valley, and just started to become clear. Oh, we'll do it here here in Kingston, and you know. It with I think we're on the sixth, fifth season, sixth year, right? I, I can never remember the, the dates really, but in the, in the very beginning, everyone said this is crazy. Like who's, like who's gonna go? Who's gonna play? Does, does anyone even care? And I was like, I don't know, but like the only way to find out is to go and build a club. Let's let's try it. And you know, kind of long story short, the first time, you know, we're uh, we get a squad on the field and we're playing against an opponent, and you know, you kind of you're so busy getting everything going on that you don't have a chance to pay attention to what's going on in the stadium. And before you know it, there's a thousand people in the stands and it's just like, you know, it, um, it was just amazing to get the sense like, Hey, we had this crazy idea. We built this thing. We, we did it with volunteers. Uh, we did it involving the community and uh, we just kind of made it up as we went along. Uh, it was very, you know, very, um, very empowering. But, what what I found interesting was that even in your first year when you really didn't know how or what or, you know, that you thought to document it, or I don't know if you documented it right after the season or whatever while it was fresh, but, you know, that obviously um, it provided sort of that first look for, for <clears throat> people like you to go. There's so, you know this, Dennis, there's so many stupid questions when you're starting. Oh, there's yeah. a ton. What do you do with uniforms or like how many times a week do you practice and all this stuff? And you kind of laid out something that I think a lot of us were able to, okay, well, this is how they do it here. That's a starting point. And then we can adjust, but there was a lot of, don't even know what those starting points are until you kind of shared that, uh, that first season with so many people. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big, it's a big project. I mean, my, my background is, um, you know, as like a technology entrepreneur, like I've built two technology companies and, you know, you end up building these things that are huge and, and daunting and scale, but you do it over the course of, of years. Right. And so the way you do it is you just kind of disassemble it into the small component pieces and then just, you know, just get started. And so, you know, when I built my first business, I remember thinking like, gosh, I really wish we took better notes when we did it. Right. Just so we could tell the story in a, in a better way. And then we started the second one kind of accidentally. That's Foursquare, the company I was at for like 10 years. Um, and also wish that we we told a better story along the way. And I always said, like, if we ever do anything else after this, we'll start documenting it from the beginning. And then I was like, with Stockade, it's like, I remember going to Google being like, how do you start a soccer team from scratch? And there, there was zero search results, you know, or there were like really like low quality 
blog post or something. It's all for youth soccer as well, isn't it? And that's, that's... A lot of it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, here's here's how to enter a team in a youth contest. And I was like, no, 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 no. I want to make a, I want to make an amateur team with the aspiration of going pro, and I want to read the story of someone that did that. And it didn't exist. So it's like, okay, if we're gonna do this, like we might as well do it out in the public, do it out in the open, and then share share the story every step of the way. It was a waterfall, waterfall, watershed moment for a lot of people who were thinking like. I quite like, why isn't there a soccer club? Why I quite like a soccer club? We really need a soccer club. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's not a blueprint per se, but it's like, these are the questions you need to ask. And these are the numbers that you need to be cognizant of. Like, yeah. no one's saying that your field rental is going to be 1,500 a year, but ours was 1,500 a year. So that's just jumping off point. And yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the things we did early on is like, we framed it like a wedding. Like, think, think of building this like a wedding. There's five big ticket items, right? You need a place to play. You got to find a coach. You got to get some kits. You're going to have to hold tryouts, and then you got to figure out some, you know, figure out the fans, right? So the, break those into five different pieces, the same way you break it down with your wedding, with a venue and a guest list and a band and where everyone's going to sit, and just take it slow. It'll take you a year to do it, just like it takes a year to put a wedding together. And before you know it, you got a bunch of guys in the field kicking a ball. How has it fared off the pitch? Like, obviously, anyone can go and look at a league table, but in the four year, four or five years that you've been going, minus the COVID season. Um, have have attendances stabilized? Have they fluctuated? Have you been able to diversify into other teams or other opportunities? Yeah, that, that's a it's a great question, right? So, you know, we we have a um, you know a, a men's amateur team. It's a, a lot of guys that are either in college or just finished up college, and then there's a handful of folks that um, you know never got picked up by a pro team and want to continue their their career, play at a high level. And so that that is a product that exists and it's stable. And, you know, we average whatever, 900 fans a game. Um, we've done higher than that. We've done lower on that. It's very weather dependent. Um, but it's like, you know, it's like Stockade is a, it's a thing in Kingston. Like everyone knows, like, yeah, in the summertime, there's, you know, five or six games on Saturdays, home games. Everyone goes to the games. And so that that I'm really psyched about. The thing that I haven't been able to do yet is like, now that we have this stockade brand, there's this opportunity to build all this other stuff on top of it. Build, um, you know, build youth clubs, uh, build, um, you know, go go all the way down to like, you know, five-year-olds, seven-year-olds, nine-year-olds, right? We just launched a U23 team this, this year. It's going to be our first year doing it, which is a big deal. Um, you know, I, I've said... I said before that I wanted to have a women's team up and running before my daughter was five years old and she's going to be six this year. And I, so I, I missed the deadline, but I also think COVID screwed us up a bit. So maybe in the next couple of years, I'll be able to do that. Um, but, you know, you kind of think of it as like you, you grow it vertically and you make it stable. Like, you know, the club is, you know, pretty stable financially. We're pretty stable from an attendance point of view. I think we make the experience better every year with food trucks and, and beer and merch and and more fans like all that works out and then you kind of grow it horizontally and you got to decide you know well do you want to go amateur to pro or do you want to do men's to women's or do you want to do adult to to kids and so you really have to you know choose your battles because you can't do all of them and i think when we started i was on the train of like oh we definitely have to go um a, you know amateur to pro and now it's just you know, knowing the complexities of the pyramid, I'm, I'm like, we'll, we'll pause on that for a bit. And so then it's like, okay, well, we definitely have to go men's to, to women's. And then you realize you're really just kind of forking stockade and you're doing two versions of that in one summer, which is a lot. And um, so I don't know if I can pull that off yet. And so we've started to chip away at what we can do with youth because that often takes place in the fall when stockade isn't playing or in the spring or winter time too. There's just a little bit more flexibility there. Um, but I, 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 mean, I think of, I think of stockade as a project, um, that I can work on, you know, for the rest of my life, really, you know, and all the things I can do in another, you know, you know, 10, 20, 30 years of it. Do you want to work on it for the rest of your life? Because John's always on like the, the goal for John, flippantly or otherwise, he's always like, he wants someone else to run this thing so he can just start, sit in the bleachers and, and yell abuse. All right. Um, what, what, I guess, what's success for you? What, when do you know that? that stockade has arrived and is here for eternity or you know next generation at least um i i don't i don't know i, I kind of look at it thinking it's pretty like it's it's exceeded expectations i'll tell you what you know you know what i want more than anything i want 
I want us to qualify for the U.S. Open Cup again. Uh, we qualified once. And we had to play a game way out on Long Island, and it was just it was a drag, and we lost. I want us to qualify again, and I want us to get a home game, if not in Kingston, in the Hudson Valley. That's kind of my my near term goal. You know, my second second goal would be. I need to get the women's team up and running. I just, I just really, I have like a fire in my belly to want to do that. I just got to find the the time to to do it. Um, and the thing is I have three little kids now. And I think the thing I didn't realize is that the more kids you have, the less time you have. And uh, just, <laughs> we can all I, testify I, to that. No one yeah, told you that. Right? You just think, number, you think number two is going to be twice as hard. Right. And it's, it's just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, and then number three no, is just, three, you're just like, Oh, I guess I can never do anything ever again. Um, <laughs> But so I get it. It's like a puzzle. I just haven't figured out how to solve yet. Um, exactly. but that's, but you know, you know, what's the most rewarding thing is like, I talk to people all the time from all over the country and from all over the world. They're like, I read that blog post and it helped me get my thing started. And so at the end of the day, I'm like, that is the most, like, that is a clear definition of success that by telling the story, we helped other people do their version of the story. And I think that is one of the best things you can do in, you know, do in you like lower level soccer or do for soccer in the United States. Cause it's, you know, you're, you're, you're not just making a club, like you're, you're inspiring kids to play. You're making fans where fans didn't exist. And you're telling the story of like, Hey, it, it doesn't have to be MLS. That's the only thing that people watch here. Like you can draw big crowds um, for these, these smaller clubs. Indeed, you can. Go on, John. Before before we get into uh, open source and sharing information, because obviously that's what we try to do here with our podcast and what some of the things. Um, focusing on Stockade, what is your what does the organization look like now? How has it evolved uh, in terms of volunteer staff? Um, you know, you're still involved. Are you? I mean, do you have? I assume you have a little army working with you. That keeps a lot of things going. You don't have a merchandise room in your house at this point. You probably evolved past that, or do you still? Well, I moved, I moved it from the dining room to the garage. So Perfect. Is that a that was a huge upgrade personally? But it, I don't think you're impressed by it. Um, no, it, it's that's the reality of it. Is, yeah. is it's uh, I have I have stuff in my garage and in my basement as well, and it's it's like it it still seems like no matter how many people we have working on it without having like an office space and like full-time staff. Yeah. It's always just, there's always something amateur about it, no matter what. I think I, I enjoy that part of it though. Like, it's not just like, you know, st Stockade in addition to being this like super, you know, meaningful project for me, it's kind of like a hobby in a sense, you know, like it, it is my job to order the t-shirts and fold the t-shirts and like, I, at some point, I'm going to have to give those jobs away or to hire someone like hire a real operator that can run the club for me, because I, I really think I'm just running out of spare time with the kids. It's just it's just the reality of it. Um, you know, although I, I do aspire to continue to, to do all those things, you know, Stockade doesn't like we don't have any full time staff. We don't have an office. Right. We, we it's a group of volunteers that gets together, um, you know, for three or four months during the season that continues to stay friends and stay in touch, you know, 12 months of the year. So we have a, a Slack group. I don't know if you guys use Slack, but we have a, a Slack group for Stockade and, you know, the, the 15 or so volunteers that, um, that show up for every game are in there. And we just kind of chat all year round about what do, what do we have to do? What do we want to do? What do we not want to do? What's going on in that, you know, you know, like on the, on the field, off the field, what else can we do for the community? It's just like, you know, it's just a group of friends that get together and, and do this thing. And, you know, what those volunteers are good at doing is like, well, you know, take, take for example, the folks that run the merch table. Like they have five other volunteers that they can reach out to come and run the merch table. And the people that help with setup, they have two other people they can call to help with the setup. So it's kind of a core group of like 10 or 12 of us that reaches out to another group of maybe 30 or 50 people. And at this point, there's so many people that just want to help. It's you know, it, it's great. We just got to train them up when they, when they come to a match. And it's, it's relatively so do you, you mentioned like every year you try to spice up the match day experience and food trucks and different things. Like, do you find now that it's a little bit on cruise control though? Like 70, 90% of it is, Hey, we had 900 people at every game <laughs> last year. Let's not, we don't need to shake the tree here. Let's just 
continue to do what we do and yeah yeah i I always want to shake the tree and and i feel like what we have what we have works so i feel like we've plateaued a little bit which means that like hey you have a little bit more time at the games to sit and, and, and watch. I mean, that's like, like the, the joke. This is always a joke with the owners that I met. Like everyone starts a club so they can ha- watch a match in their hometown, but then you're so busy with the club, you never get to watch a match. And so it's only it's always a joke, right? So the, the, the thing that's been different is like, I, I can actually go sit in the stands with my kids. Like I did that last season and you know, I have a radio and if someone needs something like, okay, I get up and I go deal with it. But the thing runs kind of predictably um, so I can, I can watch half the game in the stands with my kids and, and drink a beer. It's, it's great. Um, so, so yeah, yes, but like, you know, the thing, like even just today, you know, like an hour before we jumped on the phone with you guys, you know, like, um, I, I'm emailing around lining up the food trucks and I'm like, do I want to go, do we want to try to do three trucks a year? Cause I know that like, when you have one, it's fine, but there's a huge line when you have two. The two that show up, they're always like, you know, they're, they're they're always arguing with each other over whose line is bigger. And like, oh, I didn't know someone else was going to be here. If you do three, ah, what happens? Let's try it. Or maybe not. Maybe it's too much drama to deal with. Uh, so there's always little variables we try to we try to introduce. I got a I got a question on um, I always this is something that uh, we've talked about on the podcast. We had a uh, disappointing on the field season last year in the Midwest Premier League. And um, on the field results have, have been um, okay for you. Do you think, how, how much do you think that the on-field results and that winning and losing impacts that 900 <clears throat> person crowd on average? Or has it, have you not had the super highs and super lows that I think we, we've experienced in the last 12 months? We, we haven't had a really bad season yet. Like we just kept losing and losing and losing. Um, so I haven't really run into that yet. Also, we're in such a small market, and I think the club is so meaningful to a lot of the, a lot of the locals, and, and especially to a lot of the kids that they just they just come anyway, right? And, and plus, it's only like only playing like five home games, and so it, it's not like we can go on a crazy losing streak. Like the season's eventually over. What I can tell you is that like when when we are winning, so I don't think losing has affected it so far, but when we are winning, and there's like we're gonna make the playoffs, we have a playoff game that's when people come out of the woodwork to come to these matches. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, like I remember we had a, a playoff game at home. It was 1400 people there. And, you know, that was the season where I was like, I hope we get a thousand people. That would be a huge goal for me. And then you're at this, you know, I was, I was with the mayor, the mayor showed up at the game and he's like, I don't think I've ever seen this many people at the stadium. <laughs> like at what point do we run out of seats? You know, it was, it was really, it was really kind of awesome. Did you just get lucky that you you arrived at the right place at the right time with the right face to engage with these nine hundred a thousand people, or have you done conscious community outreach and and done something to embed yourself with these people, these people? Yeah, it's a it's a good question, right? Because um, you know K- Kingston is two hours from the city. It's it's an interesting town in the sense that like there's a lot of people from New York that come up and they they stay for the summer or they just stay for the weekenders. So there, it is one of these towns that has like a, a weird um, split between locals and weekender. And so I was very conscious from the beginning of like I don't want to be the city guy that's coming up here to do a project and monetize the locals. And so from the beginning, I told the story of like, listen, my wife and I live up here. We're going to raise our kids up here and I want to do something super fun. I know this club's going to lose money. I don't really care. I want to do it anyway. Like, wh- how can I help you? And then like, let's talk about like, how, how do I get people, how do I get people to care about this? And I think, I don't know. I think we were just super authentic and very approachable from the beginning. And I, I kind of was self-aware enough to know, like, I mean, this is, it's a nonprofit. We're going to lose money. Like I didn't go into it with huge expectations. I just wanted to do something kind of fun. If it worked, it worked. If it didn't, it worked. You know, it, you know, if it didn't, it didn't. And I think people kind of appreciate that. And and then I also like, I don't know. I try to. I really try to be the the face of it, right? I try to meet a lot of the fans. You know, I try to answer questions to people. I try to, you know, um, you know, hook stockade players up and coaches with the other youth organizations. Like I'm trying to use it as a. I always think of it as like a platform. Like you made this thing that people love. Now, what else can you do with it to help the community? 
do other things or to help people in the community do the things that, that they want to do. Right. Like I always pitch it as like, hey, I've got an audience of a thousand people that might show up um, every Saturday in June. Do you need a thousand people? Do you want to get in front of them? You want to set up a booth for your farmer's market here? Do you want to sell like artisanal trinkets in the parking lot? Do you want do you, hey local politician, do you want to get out with the mic for a couple minutes and say a couple words? Right. Like I, I, I think of it through through that lens. And you know, it's like the club is here for you to use. How do you want to use it? You know. So who did you have those conversations with as your your um along with your blog post? I watch your video on YouTube a thousand times. Um, and I basically am too cheap to make my own video seven, five years ago. So I said, let's send people their video and say, we want to do that here. Yeah. And that's kind of where we started. Like, man, this, like, this is just inspirational. And um, as you went, as you went to those people though, to share that video and to tell that same story, like what kind of, what kind of people did you reach out to? Did you reach out to the, the mayor? Did you reach out to the schools? Did you reach out to whatever, community foundations, chamber of commerce, things like that? I, I reached out to, to everyone. So there's two things. There was, um, the, the first was, um, I went to the people that owned like a lot of the big businesses, like the, the, the other big personalities. Like there was this guy, um, his name's Tommy Keegan. He ran the Keegan's Brewery. He actually just passed away last year. It was very sad and tragic. Um, but I remember going to him early on saying like, Hey, I'm trying to do this thing. And I think it's going to be kind of fun. And what do you think? I kind of wanted him to, um, I just wanted his like blessing almost like his buy-in and be like, Hey, I think you're a cool person doing something cool. And if anyone asks, I'll say that you're, 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 you're doing the right thing. Right. And so, you know, like I remember talking to my, my dad about this. My dad was like, you know what you got to do? Go to the car. Co- whatever the coffee shop is in town, go there on Sunday morning and find the table with all the old guys talking and go talk to them. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And he's like, I'll come with you. So my dad and I went together and we just kind of introduced ourselves and we just started talking to them. And, and it was that type of like, you know, I just introduced myself like, Hey, I live in the city. I've done a couple of companies. I live and I have a house up here. We want to do this thing. What do you think? You think it's a good idea? You don't think it's a good idea? Like who should I talk to? And then those people were like, oh, you're, you're, you want to do something cool up here? Yeah, of course we'll help connect you with people. And then I absolutely cannot, you know, understate, like we got connected with an amazing group of volunteers early on. Like you talked about, like, is it lightning in a bottle? It wasn't lightning in a bottle being in the right, like right town at the right time. It was lightning in a bottle meeting the right people early on. And, um, you know, there's a family called the, the uh, Cerces in, in Kingston that have just been like supporters since, since day one and, you know, husband and wife and their two kids. And they're, they're always at the games helping out. There's a guy named Kale Capuchillin in town. Who's we always joke is like the unofficial mayor of, of Kingston. He's just connected in every single project. And, you know, he and I got connected cause I was doing tech stuff and he was doing tech stuff. And, you know, he, he was just like a connector and he's just like, you should talk to these five or six different people. And then when I talked to them, he's like, here's another five or six different people. But like, I, I kind of had folks that could help, coach me through it because we got lucky enough to meet those people, meet those people early on. Um, and so, you know, is I think it's a mix of just being authentic and being really humble about it. Like we weren't, we didn't come in being like, you know, look at us, like we're awesome city people coming in to make something crazy here. It was like, I, I think this is a fun project. We're going to set it up as a nonprofit. I hope people come and support it. And if it's cool, then, you know, we'll figure out what else we can do with it. It's uh makes perfect sense and it reiterates the point we say all the time too. You can't replace boots on the ground. You have to be out there talking to people and, and networking and I'm constantly connecting with people still. And I'm sure you are too with, you know, uh, people on LinkedIn that I've never met that live here in our town. And Nick thinks I know everybody because everybody I talk to him about, of course I know, but there's so many people that you still don't know after all this time that, are just like those kinds of connections that uh, that secondary contact is, is sometimes more fruitful than that primary contact. And uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the thing that people that are starting clubs, if they truly want to start a club, they have to have somebody that goes out and does those kinds of things. And I think we see so many that uh, Nick talks about this a lot with the player centric. You haven't talked once about the coach. We haven't asked you. But like, it isn't about 
the on-field stuff really becomes secondary to the efforts that happen at the coffee shop and at the school and at the, you know, wherever else you may be that, that the on-field stuff really becomes, it'll take care of itself. We have people, we have soccer people that take care of that. Right. So it just becomes, how do I go connect? And, and Nick always pushes me like, John, you have to be the face pretty as it may be. You have to be the face of this thing and you have to be out talking to people and and do the things that I do well in the community. But I, I think that's something that some of the teams and clubs have the right intentions, but it's soccer people that start clubs fall back to soccer because that's what they know. And they focus yeah. on the players and what coach and, Hey, let's get that kid that I played with six years ago and have him yeah. come play outside back for us. And that's where their focus is. And then in three years, those clubs are gone because the teams are done. And I think yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're trying to get past. Yeah. I got connected through like, um, re- really early on. One of the first things I did was I, I reached out to the local chapter of the uh, American Outlaws, the local Hudson Valley chapter. And I got connected with the three guys that were in charge of that. And I said, hey, thinking about putting a club up in Kingston, what do you think? Crazy or will it work? And then, you know, some of those guys became the, the two guys, uh, Dan and Nick Hoffe. And they, they, you know, like they're the technical director or scouting director of the club. They've been with us for, you know, six plus years before we even had a, a name and a crest. And, um, you know, they, they're doing what I'm doing on the community side, but they're doing it on the technical side, right? Going out and meeting all the players, meeting all the coaches, meeting all the youth organizations, right? And, and so it, it works from both sides. Like it works from like, we have all this, I think like respect and maybe like admiration from um, other soccer people in the community because we've done that outreach right through Nick and Dan. And then we've also done it, you know, just from like the, like the, I don't, I don't even call it like fan development. It's just like talking to people in the community. Right. You know, I was making a joke about like, oh, yeah, I, I fold all the T-shirts. Right. I, I fold the T-shirts like by myself, you know, d- drinking a beer at 11 p.m. after the kids go to bed. But, you know, what I have to do in the morning is like I print out a bunch of flyers. I go to Staples. I print out the flyers and I walk around town and I go to every local business owner and I say, hey, I'm Dennis. I run the stockade team. You know, can I hang this flyer in your window? And maybe they have questions about it. Maybe they don't want to do it. Maybe maybe they want five flyers. Maybe they want to do something else, you know? And so I think if I'm there to have that conversation, like I can make stuff happen as opposed to just like, hey, make the players do it. Or like, hey, intern, you want to go do this job? Like, I feel like it's my job to go spread the gospel of stockade. And like, that's that's what I do, you know? And it's, just, it's like one of the 10 unglamorous jobs that I do every season, but that's just, that's, that's just, I mean, the reason the club works is because someone that, that cares does that job every year. Do you find, uh, one thing that I think I've struggled with in the last few years, early on, right, year one, you're telling your story, right? Why are we doing this? How are we going to do it? You're telling that whole thing. And then I think once you've been around, I think in, in my case, we've been around a couple of years, <clears throat> I still introduce the club and I still kind of try to get out and network as much as we can. Um, but I don't tell the same story, right? I don't tell the origin story anymore. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that I've realized over this off season, we, we have the same long seven, eight month off season. Right. And you kind of look internally at what we could do better or what I could do better. And I think that's one of my focuses at this point is, Let's tell why we started the club. Let's not tell what we did last year and the year before. Let's tell why we started this club to begin with, what our mission is, and really kind of always going back to 2017. Always, We're always going to go back to the beginning. What's happened between now and then is important, but we got off the ground because people believed in the origin and why and how. And, and I think that's something that we can all learn from as well. Don't forget why you started. Yeah. And day-to-day minutiae. It's also kind of like it's helpful to reflect on why you started, and maybe the maybe the answers are different through a different lens a couple of years later. You know, when 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 we when we started, it was very much like, "Hey, I want uh, I, I want to go see the matches on Saturday." I would go see the matches, right? I'm sure other people would go see it. And then I was like, well, "How cool would it be if we if you started a club and the club one day qualified for the Open Cup?" Right? So there were kind of these like selfish motivations in a sense. 
you know, and then it only took me like two home games before I realized like, Oh, this is different, right? This thing is here to inspire these kids to play soccer. And, and we realized very quickly that, you know, after every game, the kids would run down to this. Thankfully, it was like a fence in between the stands and the, and the, and the field. The kids would run down to the fence and like bang on the fence and ask for autographs from all the players. And it was just very clear. It's like these kids are going to grow up to want to play on this team. And our job is to like cre- create the things that will enable them to, to do that. Right. And, and tell the story about how. Um, hey, if you continue to play and you treat and you take this seriously and, you know, you're in, you know, invest your time in soccer, you can play in front of this this crowd someday. And, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've followed some of these kids for five or six years. And like that, that is the, the case. We're getting up on that. You know, we've been around long enough that we're starting to see those little kids show up and want to try out for the club. And I'm like, this, it's a whole different chapter for stockade and it's a whole different narrative and that's that's going to be awesome and, and it comes back to like why i want the the women's team too you know like my, my, my daughter's five she's like i don't think it's fair that only boys can play on the soccer team i'm like I, I don't think it's fair either we should have a women's team too and she's like well then it's not fair if only women can like well it's just the kind of the way it's set up but we'll, we will have it set up so there'll be a men's team and a women's team someday so Tell me this, because this is what Nick likes to mute himself and let me nerd out with people. Um, what is your your NPSL season is is essentially summer three months, right? Yeah. Um, how much time and effort do you put in um, throughout that off season? I mean, it, do you kind of like really? I know you kind of on Slack and you're talking, but do you kind of like really shift your focus back to your real job and everything else, and then? Now it's coming up on March, and now are you starting to really ramp up getting out and doing that network? I don't imagine that you are spending 300 days a year handing out flyers at coffee shops. So do you kind of no. like disappear <laughs> for a little bit and then really ramp up as the season starts again? Yeah. I, I, if anything, I'm really bad at this. I, I really think Stockade should have more of like a, a 365-day-a-year presence. But like, you know, I, I haven't posted on Instagram in like three months, right? That's like a definite no-no in lower level soccer. But to be honest, like the season is usually so, emo- like it's just so freaking, it's so much work and so emotional, right? Especially you make a playoff run, you, like we, we played for the um, conference championship. What's that like? Tell me about that. What's that like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but by the time the season wraps, I'm just like, I see a break from this, you know? Um, and, you know, really it starts around like around, um, November when it's like, okay, well, we got to sell seasons passes for Christmas. We got to restock the merch store. So it goes from being, you know, like kind of all consuming in the, in the summer to taking a couple months off entirely. You have like this total break. And then it's like, you know, a couple hours a week, um, you know, probably up until like the end of January. And then it's, you know, uh, an hour a day, right? In February and March. And then it turns into a couple hours a day um, leading up to the season. And then once the season starts, it's kind of, you know, it kind of doesn't slow down, but there's, there's fewer things to do, right? All the jerseys are made, all the t-shirts are printed, everything's folded, everything's organized. But, you know, I kind of dread that period between like today and March 1st, because because there's, or I should say May 1st, it's just so, there's so much stuff to do. You know, I, I went through my to-do list this morning and you know, just sponsors. So, I mean, I, I wrote the things down. Like by the by, the end of the week. Oh shit! I left it on my desk. Oh, no, it's right here. Um, you know, uh, sponsors, sideline banners, final finalizes journey, stockade newsletter, send out the rest of the passes. You know, it's like six things that have to be done by the end of this week in order for me not to not to lose sleep over it. Um, and I don't know, but whatever, it'll get done. Some, you, need to give, you need people to give that shit too. That's the long and short of it. You need to be able to. I, I, I do. I, you're absolutely right. Like at some, like it's not, it's not sustainable that I do this forever. But I just, I also haven't given myself the time to find the person to do it. You Is know, it also this... a Dennis thing? Oh, I, I suspect. I don't know. I'm not successful enough to have built two multi-million dollar companies. But I suspect if you're that sort of personality, you don't like letting go very easily. It's less of the letting go. It's more of the like, I'm kind of on autopilot when I do it, 
it's not that hard mm-hmm. for me to do it. It's just like sending a bunch of emails and stuff. It's just it's just blocking off the time to do it. You know, there's a, this this ad agent in, in hiring, right? Like the only way to double your productivity is to not do anything for, except for hiring for like a month, right? So you got to stop what you're doing and you make yourself non-productive in the short term so you can focus on hiring so you make yourself productive in the long term. But like we're not, you know, that's not really what I should be doing in the off season is, is finding someone to do it. But like I also, I don't want to hire a full-time staffer to do it, right? Then that's just more money out of pocket. I mean, I can do it myself. You're right. You're absolutely right. I'm running into, I'm going to run into this wall where it's kind of like unsustainable and, and unenjoyable. I'm just not, I haven't hit that yet, but I can kind of see it down the line. So, so Dennis, that's what Nick was referring to. My goal isn't to get out. My goal is to see it exist once I'm gone because yeah. an organization, an organization in, in youth sports or in really most sports things that I've seen, like this amateur level or kids or whatever, somebody figure, some figurehead starts it. When that figurehead retires or stops doing it, the organization just kind of takes a dive. And I want to create enough meaning in what our club represents to the community that people are like, just can't wait to get involved and make sure it continues because it means that much to them. Maybe they've never been involved before, but they step up knowing that, hey, we need some, we need some new blood and here we go. So I, and yes, I would love to sit and have a beer and watch. And I do that a little bit, but, um, but it's more just to know that it's actually sustainable once I don't have my finger on it. That's, that's, I want to make that happen sooner than later, but not yet. I'm kind of like you, I got three kids and I kind of see like having my summers busy is very difficult. And as much as Nick and I and a few others in the club do year round, that we don't we don't really even take the two months off. We're like right back into analysis from last year. What can we do? Like, how can we yeah. spread it out over the next eight months to not overwhelm ourselves in March? Yeah. And um, but it, it is there isn't a day that goes by that we Nick and I don't talk or Morgan and I don't have like text about a uniform thing or a registration thing and it. That's the thing that I think people don't understand. They can read a blog post or watch a video or listen to podcasts, but it is very consuming to run a club. Not, maybe not a team, but a club. It's very consuming to do yeah. it the way that I think a lot of us are trying to do it. Yeah, you're you're you're, you're absolutely right. You know, and, and to what you're saying, it's like you know, I was saying before, like, oh, we don't have a women's team yet, and we don't have a, we, you know, we don't have the youth, the the number of youth teams or youth connections that I want, and that's the fact that we don't have those things is directly related to the 15% of my life that I've carved out for stockade is, is spent running the, the men's team. Right. And so if I could find a way to delegate that responsibility to somebody else and they're like, well, Dennis, now you have X amount of hours that you can focus on doing this other thing. Then I could think about, I could think about doing that, but like stockade isn't, isn't a full-time, it's not, it's nowhere near a full-time job. It's like, I, like I was saying, like it's a hobby. Like, could I get it to the point where it's my full-time job? I'm not sure I want it to be my full-time job, but I do want to do all these other things with the brand and the platform. And it's really the only way to do that is just find other people to do that and then delegate and empower them to do those jobs. Would it be easier for you to find somebody to start the women's side and just mirror what you're doing? I, I, I think this podcast so. got way off the rails now. Now we're counseling each other. No, no, no. I mean, it's it's a it's a you know, like I'm the I'm the chairman of the of the club, right? So I I feel like my job is to make sure that the club at at someday someday d- does all those does all those things. I don't have to run that team, you know, but I still want to be the person that probably goes around and talks to all the shop owners and says, "Hey, I'm going to hang up the men's one and the women's schedule here." Like, I feel like that my job is to be the, 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 the front end of the club or the front face of the club. If only so that like, I don't know that I guess, why, why do I have to be that person? I don't know. Maybe it has turned into a counseling session. <laughs> no, it's, right? it's, but, but those are the things that Nick challenges me and goes, John, why do you have to deal with folding? Yeah. Shirts? Yeah. Go do that stuff. Go walk around the city, go talk to people, go to chamber yeah. of commerce events. Don't, 
get bogged down with the things that you can't have other people do because they are like, there's so many people that want to help. I, we're yeah. in the same boat. Nick, Nick and I are volunteering. If you've got, if you've got 15 or 20 or 30 people volunteering on a match day, um, and they've got that outreach of two or three or five people that you were speaking about, there's a resource there already for you. Hey, I need someone to fold the t-shirts this season. So I've got a half, I've got an hour with my girls in the evening that I can spend that that hour in the day going around the coffee shops. Yeah. So. You know what? It's like, here's a dumb analogy, right? <laughs> like I, I'm a skier, right? And so one thing I started doing is like waxing my own skis, right? And I wax my own skis because like, it's kind of, you know, you're, you're involved in it. It's a little calming and therapeutic. And I feel like going out in the garage and organizing and folding like it's not just the act of folding the t-shirts but it's like it, it's also a little bit of like okay i have a world view of all the inventory that we have and i have a sense of what we're low on and what we're not on like it's i feel like it's doing three three jobs at once mm-hmm. and then it's also making you a little bit closer to the to the club in a sense right that's my challenge though dennis good. is i i completely get that and i'm i'm not a t-shirt folder no, that's you know, the other people um and we're, we're clinging to this t-shirt thing just an analogy rather than you know i think but is that the best use of your skill set for the club that's a great question i can tell you i'm a pretty good t-shirt folder <laughs> <laughs> it is. I, I should do it professionally <laughs> i watched youtube videos and that lady who picks them up just like that yeah i remember we ordered like we ordered something like 1,200 T-shirts. Cause I was like, I want to have three years worth of T-shirts. We ordered a whole bunch of them. This is before the pandemic. I picked them all up. They're all in our dining room. And um, I was like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to fold these T-shirts. I'm going to have to have a huge T-shirt folding party. And then the pandemic hit. And I was like, you know what? I got nothing else to do but to fold T-shirts. And so I folded like 20 T-shirts a day for like six months or something. It all got done. No, you're 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 exactly right though. I, I really I really do need to find a way to, to start leveraging a little bit more of the volunteer community to help with some of that stuff. I got um I got one question um because I, I don't want to keep you all day. I mean I do, but um you know you use the term open source soccer and I've kind of stolen that from you a little bit. Um what's what's your long term, short term how can people like you and us and so many others that are doing such such really good things and learning and sharing, how can we continue to grow sort of that open source idea? Uh, that, that's a that's a great question. You know, and I get people, you know, write me or send me Twitter messages all the time about like, when are you going to do the financial breakdown for 2021? And I'm like, I don't think I really need to do it because it's kind of like all the other years. Right. It's like I, I figured out the math problem that makes our club run and you might be able to take the math problem to model out your club. And I feel like my, my job is done from that point of view. I think where my job is not done is giving people the, like explaining the, the purpose and like, wh- why should I do this? Why should I care? And I think you got to read a lot of my blog posts to get to that point where you're like, Hey, the thing that really matters about stockade is the fact that you know hundreds of kids show up and they're inspired and it makes them want to play and it makes them want to kick a ball and it makes them want to be be active like at the end of the day i think that's it's, it's that thing and then number two it's like hey here's this thing that's kind of relevant you know all throughout the hudson valley all throughout new york all throughout maybe new england maybe even all throughout the us that represents kingston and people feel pride over that right that little little stockade fc represents this tiny pocket of the hudson valley because hey the news article got picked up by espn or something and so i think those those two things like hey i gave the gave the community something to cheer for and gave the kids something to aspire to be like really wrap, wrap up the purpose and i need to do a better job at explaining it like how well that worked in Kingston and continues to work and how do you do that in your own in, in your own hometown and I think that's a harder thing to do because I, I do think it takes a certain type of person that can articulate that vision and get people fired up about that vision and then can also build enough stuff to actually get close to achieving that vision and that's that's the I think that's the difference between teams and clubs and having greater education about what does it take to 
actually create a club that is going to be around for a long time, whether you run it or not, versus just like a team that can kick a ball, you know, a couple months of the year. Yeah, that, no, I think that's that's where our whole Nick, I, you can jump in here anytime, but that, I think that's that's our whole goal is to uh, uh, create density, you know, club in every community, yeah. and and, yeah. and find ways find ways that it doesn't have to be a a Kingston with a hundred thousand people. It could be a um, what is it up? We talked to was it Hayward, Wisconsin? Yeah, Hayward, fifteen hundred people and has a has a little club. And, Kingston, Kingston's only twenty thousand people. Oh, yeah. So, so it's yeah. creating creating the information in your math model to be fiscally yeah. responsible and scale. I mean, you're getting a great percentage out of twenty thousand, but it's, yeah, you know, like to to be able to scale that to a bigger community, smaller community, and and have that platform. We have we have created. Uh, we started the podcast in the pandemic, really. I think Nick and I were talking during our 20-month offseason and decided to start talking to people. Um, we created the new club packet to share, to build on sort of your financial information. But like, here's a business plan. Here's a sample budget. Here's a, yeah. I don't remember what all is in there now. You know, all the like paperwork, all the, the, yeah. the stuff. Like, where, oh, what, what about a waiver? Well, here, here's a yeah, sample. That's waiver. great. Yeah. Um, and we put that for sale on our website and it's just a, you know, it's a fundraiser for the club. Um, and, and just try to like, it's always one, every, every, as you're starting a club, you're educating yourself and I, okay, I read your blog and then I go, okay, now I have 30 more questions. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm going to listen to this podcast about it. I have 20 more questions. Now I need, I need some paperwork. I'm going to talk to 10 other clubs and get their paperwork. And then I'm going to make my own paperwork. And then I still don't know what to do with these damn t-shirts. Who do I get t-shirts from? Like, there's so many different, it just unwraps, you know, the deeper you dive into this craziness that I, I think yeah. it's important that you start with something. And I think what you did, uh, not to flatter you any more than we already have, but uh, the, it, was, it, it became inspirational and a great starting point for a lot of people to build something that that fit their community. You know, and not everyone, like to your point, not every one of them is going to succeed. Sometimes you don't have the right people leading it. Sometimes the community just doesn't want it or need it. Or you went about it the wrong way. But we've, we've given a lot of clubs opportunities to have a life for the long term, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's an instruction manual in a sense. I remember writing that first blog post and then I went down to the NPSL owners meeting and it had to be like 2017. And I remember them being like, what are you doing telling everyone how much it cost? And I was like, what's, what's the problem? Like, you, you want people to know how much it costs, so then it makes it either more approachable or it makes it, like, less doable. And it's like, I don't know. I think it's going to scare people away. And then on the other side of it, it's like people see, oh, this is this is doable. I could get four friends together. We could all chip in. We could make a go at it. And I think just showing people how the sausage is made kind of, like, just made it more approachable and relatable to people. Um, and you know, that's a good thing. I mean, transparency leads to, leads to good things. And in, in my, in my opinion, my experience. Absolutely. Yep. All right, I'm going to wrap this up with one cliche question, but if we connect again in five years, Dennis, what the, what does stockade look like? Five years. What years are now? That's after the world cup, right? So I'm, I'm actually, I think I'm going to write another blog post this, this year about, like what are, what are the, the club's five-year goals and you know we should have more than a u23 team i'd like to go I'd, I'd like to have like four youth teams i'd like to have the the women's team up and running and i'd like to qualify for the open cup and get that home game in the hudson valley um you know i'll tell you i'll add another one based on this phone call is find a way that i'm not folding the t-shirts or not doing all of the at least at least doing not all not doing all of the jobs um, like, I, you know, this is the thing about this, like we hired a GM and, and, you know, it's a paid position. It's like, your job is just to, to do all this stuff and I'm here to help put me to work. You know, that, that might be a, a tremendous way to, to get it going. Um, I'm going to give that some, some good thought. Yeah. I, I, we didn't get into the financials, which I'm sure John will be mortified about, but, um, 
I don't think either of John or myself would be advocating for you to hire someone full-time or you know even part-time outside of the playing staff. I think there's enough people with skill sets that you can utilize. They may not yeah. fill that hole, but they can fill, you know, they can job share, they can whatever. But um you've got yeah, you've you've got enough, more enough people around you. The people that we've spoken to that would be envious of having a third of your attendance, let alone your volunteer base, right? If you can't tap into that, then there's something wrong, bluntly. Yeah. That's um, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge one for the fan surveys and whatever else, but one question that I would always love to, people to put on is just like, what's your occupation? Not because, you know, I'm going to go and stalk you, but like, oh, really, you do data analytics? That could be useful. Oh, really, you you know, especially when you're where you are, that you've got people doing all sorts of things that can be useful. And we just don't, yeah. we never think, clubs back home in England never think to tap into their existing fan base. Um, and US soccer is in the perfect place to, almost reinvent the wheel with that and just say, this is how you engage your community because you give them a job within the club that they therefore feel pride. Yeah. And that's kind of happened with the first group of volunteers. You know, someone's like, yeah. I can help with streaming. And then you, you teach people how to run the merch table and they get excited about that. And then they start doing new product development and inventory management. Yeah. And, you know, even, even as like some of the volunteers, their kids are getting older, their kids are seeing like firsthand experience. Like, hey, it's kind of like running a mini shop right with tons of tons of consumer demand and a bunch of SKU management and you know software to take all the payments and whatnot mm -hmm. like there's a whole marketing side of it right it, it just comes down to who manages and kind of trains those people um Absolutely. and that's just we haven't had a ton of time to do it but it's clear that i need to make the time to give people um like room to breathe give other people room to breathe in the club yeah you've got to let your kids fall you've got to let the volunteers fall yeah we didn't mean to preach to you, Dennis. No, this, uh, is, this, is, this is great. Look at, maybe someone listening to this podcast and be like, you know what? I need to hire some stuff. I need to find like, That Dennis Cowley is full of shit. He doesn't know the first thing about anything. Yeah. <laughs> Magic. Thank All you, right, everyone. Thank, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Um, hopefully, we'll connect again. And good luck with everything. We'll keep an eye on your pictures this season. Hopefully, we'll connect again sometime. Awesome. This is super fun. Thanks for having me. Uh, Thanks, Dennis. Okay, see you guys. Thanks, Tom. Now the time has come for leaving. Fear, now we shall return. We were so glad we could make it, but so sad we gotta run. Well, it might be a long time till we raise another glass. You can rest assured that next time.